Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 74th official episode. We want to speculate about what the biggest trades of the offseason could be. We have a couple players on this list. Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, James Harden maybe, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Bradley Beal. And let's talk about Drew Holiday first. So Drew Holiday has been in the trade rumors for the past few years. Um, the Pelicans have never been super successful with him as one of their top players, but he's definitely a great talent. He's not really a one or a two option on a championship team, but I would t- I would call him a very good third option for, for, a, sure. cha- for a championship team. He brings the defense. He brings the scoring. Um, even though he's 30 years old, and I think he's entering like the last year, the second last year of his contract, and the Pelicans wanting to move on to a sort of a younger team with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, they are actually more inclined to trade him. Yeah, I mean... I think that Drew Holiday has been in trade rumors, as you said, for a handful of years now, and he's always been sort of floated out there as somebody that uh, the Pelicans might move to, you know, fully buy into the rebuild, especially because they were because Anthony Davis was being floated out there in the trade market. Um, but now it seems like they're actually willing to make this move, um, and so I I, th- I think. In contrast to Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday has never said that he wasn't content in New Orleans, and so there kind of was no reason to trade him because he was still providing so much to them on the court. And so even with the young with the young players they had, Drew Holiday is still an incredibly valuable veteran, and he's also not that old. Like he's 30 years old, but let's say it takes 3 years for, you know, these the young the young players to grow up, like he's still going to be solid. But I think it does make sense right now to capitalize on his trade value while it's still sort of at its highest. Um and I think there are going to be a lot of teams this offseason who are looking to sort of put themselves in championship position um, because there's sort of a new obsession. Or not, it's actually not even new, but there's an obsession out there in the NBA right now about a third star. People keep saying it with the Lakers. They're saying it, you know, with the Nuggets. They're saying it with the like, Heat even. There's a lot of teams out there that, that are sort of chasing this third star that they feel like they're going to need to win a championship. And so... I think, I think the teams that we could actually see Drew Holiday go to are the teams that need that third star. Like yeah. you said, the Heat, the Lakers, the Heat, uh, the Nuggets, or the Brooklyn Nets, honestly. Because yeah. I, I think he would probably fit best on the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Because they want they want to complement Kyrie with another playmaker, but the guy who absolutely does not need the ball in his hands when you have KD and Kyrie taking X amount of shots every game. Um, so you want to complement Kyrie with a great defender and that's absolutely drew holiday yeah so i think in general you want to you want to like like people are saying the Nets should trade bradley trade for bradley beal and honestly while i do think that if they did that they would probably win a championship i i, I think that would ha- happen i just don't think it's realistic because they would literally have to empty out their entire bench um you're talking Karis Levert, spencer dinwiddie and if you re-sign Jared Joe, Allen, maybe yeah, and Jared yeah. Allen. So the, the, you're left with no role players, right? Yeah. Where I think I think Drew Holiday has a much lower cost value, and sure. still yeah. and still is like a top like top like ten shooting guard who gives you all the things you need in, in like a third star. Agreed. I mean, we'll get into Bradley Beal, but bottom line is basically you're gonna have to wow the Wizards to really get them to make a trade this off season for Bradley Beal. And I don't think if you're any one of those teams, you really want to do that you don't want to sell the farm for Bradley Beal as great as he is um I think there's an argument out there to be made that like Drew Holiday is not 
that much worse, and he's probably going to be nah, he's a worse. lot Dude, less costly. Bradley, Bradley Beal is such a bad I'm not saying Bradley, uh, Bradley, so Beal, Bradley Beal is way better, right? So the difference is like Bradley Beal is a solidified all star, whereas Drew Holiday is like just missing the team every year, basically. I think he's only made it once back in the 76ers when he was playing point guard. Um, but I think that. that the big difference is that is that I, and why I'm saying that Bradley Beal is not that much better is on a team like the Brooklyn Nets. Drew Holiday's fit is a lot better, because when you think about having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, those are probably going to be your first two options. And so, if you're really going to be limiting Bradley Beal to a third scoring option role, all of a sudden you're sort of turning him into like a little bit of a catch and shoot kind of guy, right, or an off ball scorer. Both of which things he would he could do and excel at, but to some extent, I think Drew Holiday could do the same off-ball scoring, catch and shooting, creating his own shot here and there, but then also being one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA on the other end of the court. There's still a difference in Bradley Beal's favor there, but when you're really being a, like almost a third option, if you're the third star on a team like the Brooklyn Nets, I almost think that Drew Holiday fits that role better, even though obviously Bradley Beal's a better player. Yeah, because once you get to the higher levels, like someone's gonna have to guard Kemba Walker, sure, right? Someone, yeah. someone's gonna have to guard Ben Simmons. Someone, if you get to the finals, you have a whole other set of great guards in the West, right? With mm-hmm. like Harden, Curry, Luca, whatever. So I think that for for I personally, I would like to see him most on the Nets, and I also think that is probably the most realistic, unless unless the Nuggets maybe make a move. Um, just what what's your final call? I mean, I I think you, I think the Nets the Nets one makes a lot of sense. I think the Nets can put together a very enticing package with some combination of Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I I I don't think that the Heat or Nuggets are, are out of the realm of possibility. Like I think the Nuggets could throw in Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris. I see I see no way the Heat. I, this is going to be a theme for this video when we also talk about uh, the free agents. I I yeah. do not see the Heat acquiring any and anyone through trade of note all right I, I guess i think that the denver nuggets the the pelicans are probably going to want michael porter jr in return and i don't think i don't think the nuggets are going to be willing to give him up for for drew holiday i think they would for bradley beal um i think the denver nuggets would give up michael porter jr and gary harris for bradley beal i don't think they'd be willing to give up michael porter jr for uh for drew holiday so i don't know there might be some difference there difference of opinion in terms of what you would give up um I do think that that Gary Harris to Drew Holiday is just a straight up upgrade, um, and so I think the Denver Nuggets should absolutely do that if they have the chance. Um, but I think it makes the most sense for the Brooklyn Nets uh, on both sides. Um, I think also like Karis Levert is an awesome player to build around. Um, Jared Allen might not be great next to Zion and Jackson Hayes, um, but he's still a young player that like could have trade value if you decide to flip him, um, or maybe you decide to flip. Jackson Hayes or something like that. I don't know. You can figure it out. All right, let's talk about Bradley Beal really quick. We talked about him in the yeah. context of a trade with Drew Holiday. If you're the Wizards, one, do you trade Beal? Two, what's your not ideal package? Because you, you, I'm not going to ask you to pick players out of thin air, but like, yeah, what generally are you looking for? Are you looking for a king's ransom? I, look, I I don't think the Bradley I don't think the Wizards should trade Bradley Beal this off season unless they're okay. actually blown away. Um, okay. If somebody's willing to like really throw them a whole lot for Bradley Beal, I mean it makes sense. Um, I, I think they're going to end up trading Bradley Beal in the next six months anyway. 
I think that they should wait at least till the trade deadline now. Um, really? Because I think you want to wait and just see what this team can be when John Wall comes back. When John Wall comes back, you're still stuck with his massive contract, which is probably one of the worst contracts in the NBA just because he's been injured for so much of it because he might not even play up to that now that he's going to be healthy again. But I think if you're going to be paying John Wall all that money, you might as well give him and Bradley Beal another shot. Um, see if you can do anything with that. I agree. Because if not, you're just going to be sitting on that contract and also not winning games. I agree with that. I'm so excited to see John Wall play, honestly. Me too. Me too. I, and, I, and I think that I think the thing of him being like 110% healthy might be a little bit overhyped. I don't think he's going to come <laughs> back and be. An, see that. <laughs> I don't think he's going to come back and be an All Star um, like next season. But I think I think he's still a very good point guard in the NBA, right? Like I think it, I think people forget to some extent how talented John Wall was before he got injured you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and so I don't think it really makes sense to fully hit the rebuild before John Wall's back. Yeah. But okay, I think I remember right before he got injured, people were like, okay, it goes Curry, uh, Wall, Kyrie. Yeah. And like that was a little bit of a hot take, but like it yeah. wasn't insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, you yeah, you could really make the argument. Yeah. But, but I, I guess, I, I guess that what I'm sort of finally, my final answer is like the wizard should just wait, see what John Wall is. And when they're probably going to be disappointed, then they then they'll capitalize on Bradley Beal's trade value still being sky high at the trade deadline because all these teams scrambling for a third star will still want him then. Let's talk about Chris Paul because yeah, yesterday we got news that the Phoenix Suns are actively looking to pursue a Chris Paul trade yep. and they've made at least a little bit of traction. And I saw that report, I was like, oh my gosh, this totally makes sense. I'm super happy for for the Suns that exist out there. Um, because you, you would argue that they would trade Kelly Oubre, they would trade Ricky Rubio, and then like, ma- like they would have to throw in the tenth pick, right? So like it would be Kelly Oubre, the tenth pick, and like some other player. Um, mm-hmm. And the re- the reason you would that the reason people are saying trade Kelly Oubre, which honestly I don't think that that should be an, ass- an, an assumption, but uh, people are assuming that, that you would trade Kelly Oubre because it's like oh yeah they're like he was the odd man out and like they went 8-0 in the bubble when he was injured. But I'm like, okay, like that's still eight games. He still was like like a very good wing yeah. for you that could slash, that could shoot the three. Like and and if the and if like the uh if the Thunder are like asking for Mikhail Bridges and that lets you not trade the tenth pick, then you're gonna trade Mikhail Bridges and keep Kelly Oubre, right? Um because yeah. because in, in the end, like you still have to like evaluate talent, like because because like you were really good in those eight games doesn't mean that 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 those that that roster right there is a playoff team. Well, it's not just that. It's also it, it, the idea is that Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson are kind of the perfect three four to fit, to put next to uh, Devin Booker because also Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson are both great catch and shoot three point shooters, and they're also both great defenders. Um, Specific, I don't, I don't know quite as much about Cam Johnson. I know a lot about Mikael Bridges because I watched him play for three years at Villanova. Um, Mikael Bridges is an incredibly fundamentally sound player, right? And so if you're looking for sort of the perfect role player, three and D guy next to put to put next to an elite shot creator and scorer like Devin Booker, that's Mikael Bridges. Kelly Bridges doesn't fit that role quite as well. And so if you're looking purely based on fit for next to next to Devin Booker next to DeAndre Ayton I think Cam I think they got the Cam Johnson and, Cal, and Mikael Bridges formula right that's working and so I think the idea is like okay 
if they're going to roll in next season trying to make that their starting lineup, are you really going to have Kelly Oubre coming off the bench? Because to some extent, Kelly Oubre is too valuable for that. He's like a 17-point-per-game scorer last year. And so the value you could get for Kelly Oubre on the open market is probably more valuable than what he will provide next season if you're starting Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges. And so while I agree, maybe the Suns are sort of like not valuing Kelly Oubre as much as it seems like they should be or like Suns fans aren't, I think that I think that it kind of makes sense that they would that they would give up Kelly Oubre and, and, and look to get some kind of vet that's going to help them win now because I think that the concerns out there that Devin Booker is going to have some unrest are real. I don't think that Devin Booker, like people are saying like, okay, like Devin Booker wants out right now. I don't think he's thinking that way. But I think if, if the Suns come out next season and fall flat again, if it turns out though that eight games last season in the bubble were kind of a bit of a fluke, which is my opinion, honestly, um, I think that's when you could really see Devin Booker saying, okay, like get me out of here. Um, and I think the Chris Paul thing would kind of solve that because we saw Chris Paul take the Thunder to the fifth seed in the West with not much more, if any more, at all. Yeah, honestly, I remember I was so dedicated to make an STF solo where one of us just talks in front of the camera like more of yeah. a YouTube video and just talk about how the class of 2015 was just wrong to buy the NBA um, in that pretty much like everyone except for sort of Kristaps Porzingis, sort of um, Kristaps Porzingis was just completely wronged by the NBA. And even them, they, they like booed him on draft night. Um, because if you, if you look at the top players in that class, Carl Anthony Towns, his, his, his like success has the, the best roster put around him was like a, like a kind of bad Jimmy Butler. And then just a bunch of other like not good players. I think they like were run, they were there where they were running Taj Gibson at the four next to him. Ugh. Um, and they and they just got like murdered by the as as the eight seed. Nick's legend, Todd Gibson. Yeah, Nick's legend, Todd Gibson. <laughs> um, second pick, D'Angelo Russell. Um, snitched in L.A. Um, and then he like got traded. Like he's he's been like bounced around the league. Like he's been on like four teams in four years. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Stapps, um, got booed on draft night. And Devin Booker, the other part of this, like I I, I like the, I like this draft class. And then Devin Booker has just been rotting away in Phoenix. So I think that the concerns are real. And I think that trading for Chris Paul would actually initiate like a culture change. I think it would, I honestly think it would literally be OKC 2.0 in that if you trade for Chris Paul, then all of a sudden, maybe you're not going to be the four seed, especially because I I think that that, that the OKC team did have vets like Daniil Gallinari, which we'll talk about later in this episode. But I think that that'll initiate a culture change. There was already a little bit of a culture change at the end of last season with Monty Williams kind of earning the locker room. Yeah. And so I think trading for Chris Paul for like a Kelly Oubre would, would be good. I'm a little hesitant to give up the 10th pick for Chris Paul for like one year, for like one good for one good year for Chris Paul. The, the real question I think is going to be for the Suns, can you get Chris Paul without the 10th pick? And there's a real possibility if they trade Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio and maybe somebody else or maybe, like, you know, a pick down the line, you don't have to give up the 10th pick this year. And that's when I think this becomes a no-brainer for the Suns. Giving up the 10th yeah, pick absolutely. is a lot to ask because that cost of Chris you, Paul's age. That cost you a Chris year Paul's, of being bad. Yeah, Chris yeah. Paul's Chris, Chris Paul's contract, but most importantly, his injury history. People are forgetting that, like, the last year we saw from Chris Paul was incredible, but 
one of the reasons that it felt like it came out of nowhere is that Chris Paul was injured for some part of the last like five seasons before that. Hey, but he, he can't stay healthy he, until except for last season. He went vegan, bro. Vegan CP3. True, yeah. but also there was a pandemic that's that had him sit out four months in the middle of the season so we came back from the playoffs and he was well rested we've seen in the past oftentimes the trend is that chris paul in the playoffs isn't 100 percent. and so if the reason for trading chris paul for trading for chris paul is to get yourself a playoff spot and then hopefully even compete in the first or second round is he really going to get you to do that if he's not healthy right like i so i, I guess i think that there's the, the upside for trading for Chris Paul if you're the Suns is huge. But there's also a very real chance that he comes in, can't stay healthy, he's getting up there in age, and so you end up having one or two years of Chris Paul spending half his time injured. And so then the culture change is still very real, but it also creates some, I don't know, like it, it creates some inconsistency on the court of like, you're going back and forth between you have this elite floor general and Chris Paul, this elite veteran that you can run everything through. And then all, and then sometimes you're back to just Devin Booker having to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders, right? And that's always hard, especially for a group of young guys uh, having that inconsistency. Really quick, I also want to talk about the other teams that Chris Paul could land to. Before yesterday, the front runner was probably the Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. because they need another shot creator in the playoffs. You saw again last year that just giving the ball to Giannis against a great defense might not work because they're just going to wall up in the middle. You want another shot creator. You want a guy who can hit shots from the outside, hit shots from the mid-range. Essentially, just kind of like if Chris Middleton was a little bit more of like a guy who can create his own shot. And yeah. I feel like that that's definitely Chris Paul. Chris Paul knows how to pick apart a defense. So I, under, I, understand the, I understand the desire for the Bucks to make that trade. I've I'm, been I've been like the biggest advocate of Chris Paul the Bucks is really? like perfect. Really? I keep saying that in the episode. Okay, give me your case and I'll tell I'll give my doubts afterwards. I, I, I keep saying basically that I, I think that Chris Paul from last season would be a perfect fit on the Bucks for the reason that Giannis struggles to create offense in the half court. And so when it comes down to it, the Bucks are relying on Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe to create offense in the half court. If you could replace Eric Bledsoe and Dante DiVincenzo in some future draft compensation, maybe, with Chris Paul, I think all of a sudden you have the guy who can take over when the offense stalls, who can get you going again, and who can just like make things work. Who can get who can who can create offense beyond the fast break because we've we've seen that when the when the when the offense slows down and when the Bucks aren't getting stops on defense and aren't scoring on offense for a few possessions in a row, they can get caught in a cycle where they lose their lead fast or they get blown out fast. Chris Paul could halt that, who could take control. He's the type of veteran that, that's going to read the situation well and, and get the Bucks back in control and set up Giannis to, to take back over. But on the other hand, I feel like what makes the Bucks great, besides just Giannis, is that they have probably like the deepest array of role players in the league. But I'm not sure you have to give that much of that up. Right, like, it, like I think that it would be, I think that it would be pretty much just Eric Bledsoe why, why, and, but why, and Donnie Vincenzo. Why does OKC want Eric Bledsoe? Well, the the big future thing is is Dante Divincenzo, and Eric Bledsoe is some portion of what Chris Paul is now. Obviously, not anywhere close to as good, but, but, honestly, but he's also younger. Honestly, you OKC, also, you also OKC, have to remember, OKC doesn't care about now like kelly Oubre is still a little young but the thing that i think people are forgetting is that chris paul's trade value isn't gonna be quite as high maybe as people think 
purely because of his contract. True. He's getting paid $40 million a year. Don't you think OKC is going to be happy to get off that contract? So to some extent, they'll give up maybe a little bit less than Chris, Wirt, Chris, Valley, Chris Paul is worth on the court just to get off the money. Yeah, but that's I mean, a burden for the yeah. Bucks to take on. But the other thing I was going to say is what you just said in that if I'm Milwaukee and I'm about to pay Giannis a supermax and I want to kind of have my options open to maybe pair him with a guy that's not just a fringe all star but is like an actual top I don't know 15 player. I don't yeah. I I don't want to tr- trade. I don't for think they're going to have the money to Chris, do that anyway though. Then then but you're you're taking on more salary with Chris Paul than just Eric Bledsoe and Dante Divincenzo's contracts combined. So sure. you're, I, I, you're basically it, you're making I, yourself like is, less free financially. Bucks absolutely need to get rid of Eric Bledsoe this offseason. That's the number one thing. Just replace Eric Bledsoe with somebody who is going to break the like cycle of of nothingness on offense in the half court in the playoffs. That's my opinion. I, I think that's I think that's, that's I think that's what separates the Bucks from being a great regular season and a championship team. Uh last last thing quickly, Lakers and Chris Paul. Yeah. I'm pretty it, sure it just you, doesn't work. You're opposed to this one. I'm not opposed. I think it would be an awesome fit for the Lakers. It would be but an the, awesome fit. But the thing is, that it's just not realistic. Like people keep talking about this one, but but the people who are throwing this out there don't know how money in the NBA works. <laughs> it doesn't work. The the Lakers would have to trade everybody except for like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, or it would have to be a three team trade. It, then why does it work for the Bucks? It, I don't know, but it does. <laughs> I don't know what it does. Um, like I, like I haven't I haven't been sitting around playing on NBA trade machine, but I know that the Bucks can pull it off, and the Lakers can't unless it's like a three team trade or they give up like five players. Like it's just I just know that this that the, the Lakers one isn't that realistic unless they bring in another team. But then the thing is, okay, so what are either of those teams going to offer the third team? Like why is the third team going to get involved other like than to just make it work? The third team obviously has to get something out of it. So I don't think that Chris Paul the Lakers is going to happen. I just don't think it's realistic. Um, so last player we want to talk about James Harden. We the past two weeks we've talked about the Houston Rockets and and his potential trade to like the 76ers. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the coach came out and said it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. There was a report on my way over here that said um, that Russell Westbrook and James Harden have expressed no interest of leaving, but are also angry that there's like that the that the future is not certain in Houston in that they might get traded, which means they they don't want to get traded. So. That's why we didn't talk about it. I don't see them moving, even though Philly with Harden would look scary. Um, uh, Philly's, Philly's. I, I guess to to bring up the like the the James Harden to Philly thing, Philly is absolutely going to chase that. That shouldn't be a surprise. Like Philly, of yeah. course, is going to want to trade for James Harden. The thing is, Houston also want, has to want that to happen for it to work, and I don't think that Houston's going to want that to happen. Yeah. Um. So the NBA draft. Yeah. Is in eight days. Yep. And so. Let's just let's just talk. We're not we're not going to give a full mock draft. If you're watching this now, keep an eye out for next week when we're going to do a full post draft analysis. Yeah. But as of right now, let's just talk about two things. One, Lamelo Ball is falling in the draft. Two, what what should the Timberwolves do with the top pick? Actually, three things. Two, what should the Timberwolves do with the top pick? Should they draft someone? Who should they draft? Yeah. Three, what the hell should the Warriors do? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Lamelo Ball. Just because he's the prospect that everyone knows. He's been famous since he was 15, 16. Younger than that even, I think. Yeah. Boys Glow Up was crazy. Anyway, yeah. Anyways. Um, and I think he's probably the big, biggest bigger boom prospect in the top five. Boom or bust? 
Yeah. yeah. Did I just say bigger boom? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I agree. I agree. Um, I, free- I don't even know who his name is. There's a guy on ESPN who is who was saying yesterday that ESPN put a big, big like, LaMelo Ball draft analysis video out yesterday, um, which is worth the watch if you haven't seen it. After you finish with this. After you finish this, of course. Um, but it basically, the guy said that in a draft with not that much superstar potential, LaMelo Ball has the greatest potential to be a superstar. But there's obviously, with LaMelo Ball, a lot of extra baggage with his social media stuff. And he also, I think, has the biggest potential, in my opinion, to just, like, fall completely flat. Um, and so that's why he's sort of the more, the most intriguing prospect in the draft, to be very honest. Honestly, um, I don't I don't think any of, like, social media baggage should be a thing. Because, honestly, yeah. like, we saw there, there were the same questions about Lonzo when he entered the draft. And he's been a super mature person. The thing is, LaMelo Ball, just in general, is probably a less mature person than Lonzo. And he also... I think I think mm. that's probably because he got famous when he was younger yeah. than Lonzo. Because honestly, if if you just were introduced to the concept of Lamelo Ball last year, you would not think of him any different than Anthony Edwards, just in terms of like character. True, Go, him going over and playing in Australia was great for that side of things. Yeah, you know, for him being like kind of quiet. And so he's like six seven point guard, mm-hmm. incredible passer. People say he's a good shooter, but. He shot terribly from the three-point line. He shot 25% from three in, <laughs> like, in, in, in Australia. My cat could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I think, I think to, to, to hit on the three-point shot point, the, the biggest problem, and I, I, I do, by the way, I do think he actually is a pretty good three-point shooter. Like, I think his touch is actually strong. So is my cat. Okay, but I think I think the problem is his shot selection. I think I think the bad percentages actually point more to his shot selection than his shooting ability. Um, I think his shooting ability and his range is there. I think his shot selection is garbage. Um, I, I just don't think he like. I think he is so not like tamed. I like I just think he's like a <laughs> wild player. Um, and I, and I think I don't think he's coachable really. Um, which is why like I. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like if, if, if he's going to be in the NBA, it's going to take him a few years to figure it out. Like, do not expect LaMelo Ball to come in and be a good rookie. He's going to suck his first year. <laughs> uh, like, I, like, I'm just, like, I'm, like I'm, just, I'm just warning you all right now. Like, he's going to suck. Like, he's going to put up some of the worst. There's going to be videos out there like, LaMelo Ball is the worst shooter in NBA history because his percentages are going to be, like, 25% from three. Like, it's going to happen again. Um, that's horrible. So it's scary. So there's, there's, if that's true, then there's no way in hell the Warriors draft him. Uh, yeah, I don't think that they will. No, I think it, I think that's crazy. Um, I think that people who think the Warriors are going to draft him are just sort of like glamorizing him as like a great shooter. Which I think when he when he catches and shoots, sets his feet, and rises up and in like just guns for the basket, I think he's a good shooter. The problem is that he get he'll get he'll he tries to over dribble. Right, he tries to t- he tries to break a defender down in ISO. He dribbles for too long, holds it for too long, and when he gets stuck, he chucks up in a leaning off balance three point shot. Like he very very rarely sets his feet square to the basket and shoots. It's almost always moving in the in the process of like he's an incredible ball handler. That's one yeah. thing you have to admit. Like yeah. he moves with the ball better than any prospect in the draft. The problem is that he doesn't just stop and shoot or attack the basket strong or like. He just he doesn't know when to stop moving. Like he just he's he's just like a whirlwind of motion, and it's kind of awesome. But it also means that his shot selection is horrible. It, it is kind of awesome. I think that 
the key difference between him and him and Lonzo is that him as a shot creator in the half court is just so much more powerful for two yeah. reasons. One, not as a shot creator for himself. Mm-hmm. If if you have Lonzo ball in front of you and you're defending versus if you have Lamelo ball in front of you and you're defending, Lamelo is more likely to get to the rack or hit a mid range or hit a step back three or whatever just because he's he's got he's got the same length but he's more efficient he's a better ball handler more efficient with his dribbles he, he can actually mm-hmm. finish at the rim better um and two he's he's an equally good passer to his brother and his brother like the the like the only thing he's really that good at besides maybe defense in the nba is just passing and, yeah and he he's already like as good of a passer as his brother like mm-hmm. he and that, that's the most underrated part of his game i want to talk about the first overall pick yeah with the minnesota timberwolves some people are saying they should trade it for like Drew Holiday or for like Bradley yeah. Beal. Um, I think that they should just keep it because while they have been bad for forever, mm-hmm. I also think that the Western Conference is so good that acquiring Drew Holiday will not earn you a playoff spot if you're not already going to earn a yourself a playoff spot the way you earn a, yourself a playoff spot is by having carl Anthony towns and d'angelo russell both play at all-star caliber levels yeah. and i feel like just adding drew holiday will not make you to the playoffs if carl Anthony towns and d'angelo russell are not already playing at an all-star level so for that reason i think that they should like look you you sucked for an entire year for this first overall draft pick you scored big yeah good job go go take a risk because people are saying this draft isn't good but they're good. There are good players in every draft, and so I think that mm-hmm. you, the, like the first overall pick, is the easiest way statistically in the NBA to get yourself a very very good player. Yeah. Like like a not just like a good not just like a good player, not a fringe all star, but like a guy that can actually change your franchise. Mm-hmm. And you have one guy that has already absolutely changed your franchise in Carl Anthony Towns. He's top three center in the league, and I think that just adding to that pool of talent especially because the western conference is so rough literally i think i think if 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 the timberwolves are bad they're going to be the last they're going to be they're, they're going to be the worst seed in the western conference except for maybe the kings Can you the, say that again if if the timberwolves are bad and carl Anthony towns and and d'angelo russell don't come out swinging then they're probably going to be the worst team in the western conference again except for maybe the Kings, just because, look, the, the Phoenix Suns are competing for the playoffs, the Pelicans are competing yeah, there's, for there's the playoffs. Yeah, no, there's no team oh, in the and, Western and the, and the Conference. Spurs, and the Spurs, maybe. There's no team in the Western Conference that, like, has no shot of making the playoffs next year. Yeah. Which um, is crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so I, I think that either way, the Timberwolves probably won't make the playoffs, so I think just throwing away this first-round pick for to, t- to kind of appease your fans who are going to get disappointed when you're not good again yeah. is still just a waste of a pick. Yep. You cost a whole year to get this. I kind of agree. I, I guess to talk about who they should take, I, I think that the best prospect in the draft is probably Anthony Edwards. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much you know about him, but I, I guess I think, I think for the, I think for the Timberwolves specifically, he makes a lot of sense because of his defense. I think, I think his defensive potential is really high. Um, unlike a guy like Lamelo Ball, let's say, who is notorious for just being uncoached defensively for, and, and for taking risks and not and not getting down a defensive stance and, and really just looking for stops, Anthony Edwards is a dog and like and is a, and is a, has is is already a good defender and has great defensive potential. Would you rather have a cat or a dog? Uh, if your cat can shoot twenty five plus percent from three i guess a cat i I don't know no i would rather have a dog because dogs can defend everyone knows that 
Anyways, all right. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really understanding the pet analogies. <laughs> Analogy man strikes I, again. And, the, and, and also, in addition to being a great defender, Anthony Edwards, I think, is also going to be a really, really strong scorer. I, I think that Anthony Edwards, he has some inconsistencies game to game, but I think that he's going to be a really strong player at the next level. He's probably not going to be a superstar. Like, there's a reason that I think he's kind of the, the I would I think he's the best prospect and I, and I and people are talking about like okay there's not much superstar potential in this draft they're kind of talking about Anthony Edwards like he's probably not gonna be a superstar but I do think that he he's gonna be a really solid probably not even all-star but like he could he could have a Drew Holiday kind of uh future um in an ideal world the Timberwolves just tank to the 2022 first round pick and then they they take one of us so that deal cool. Um, and lastly, Gold, Golden State Warriors, they have the second overall pick. Yeah. I think that they should trade this absolutely uh-huh. because okay. you have a top five player in the league and he's like 31 already. So you have like two more years of good Steph Curry. People argue that because you only have two good years of Steph Curry, you might as well get a young player, have him develop, and then he'll like pass on the torch. Um, I think this is stupid because who's to say that... I'm, I'm contradicting myself with the Timberwolves thing, but who's to say that that guy will end up being good to where you could have just traded it to actually get like a 5% <laughs> chance, greater um, chance of of actually like getting to the finals or getting a ring or something. I'm laughing at your Timberwolves argument working against you now. But yeah, I actually I actually agree with you. I, I, I kind of, partially because I don't think that, that there actually is like a great fit at the number two spot for the Warriors. Like James Wiseman of the Warriors... I'm just like kind of eh about James Wiseman. Like um, I think he's gonna be fine, but I think you could sign someone just do the James Wiseman exactly. role and then trade James Wiseman for like you don't actually to, really good player. You don't have to use the number two overall pick to get like a rim runner. Like they've they've won a few championships with like centers who who just like rebound, play some defense, and like lay the ball in the basket when they're wide open. Like that you don't need the Warriors don't need that that much complexity from their center position, and I think that. Spending the number two overall pick on a guy to do just that is a little bit of a waste. I think that a guy like Onyeka Okongwu is kind of awesome for them. Like I think he fits the Draymond Green mold actually a little bit, and I think I think he could be perfect both for the now and for the future for them. But there's no reason they should take him at number two because they could also get him at number five, let's say, if they traded down. So I think that, and they definitely shouldn't take Lamelo if he falls past number one, right? And some team was, will probably be willing to trade up if Lamella Ball is sliding um, to, 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 go, to come grab him, and maybe even at number two. I agree. I, I kind of think that the Warriors should look to trade the number two overall pick. And, it, and if they still want to draft the player, just move down a couple spots. Obi Toppin, I think, is maybe doesn't have the star, the star upside of some of the other guys, but I think that Obi Toppin is a can't-miss prospect. I think Obi Toppin is going to come in and and be a really, really solid role player, solid three-point shooter, one of the most athletic dunkers and like slashers in the league. Um, I, I think that he could. I think that he could be a really good win now type of prospect. You could get at like seven, eight. Like, there's no reason the Warriors have to use a guy at number t- uh, use their pick at number two to get a win now type of guy when they could get better players for that role a few spots later. Let's talk about free agency. Yeah. Free agency starts in nine days. It starts on November twentieth. You have it November twenty second. I'm pretty sure it's the twentieth. 
Um, yeah, I, I think it was it was like was scheduled for the twentieth, and I saw somewhere else was twenty second. But I don't know. It's one of those two days. Anyways, free agency. Anyways, uh, free agency starts in twenty days. Let's go over some of the notable players that are happening in free agency. We have um, Anthony Davis, who's obviously going to sign back to the Lakers. We have Brandon Ingram, who's obviously a restricted free agent. I give a ninety nine percent chance the Pelicans match whatever is thrown at him. Yeah. Let's talk about Daniil Gallinari. I wore this Portland Trailblazer shirt today because I think my boy Damian Lillard's going. I think my boy Damian Lillard's going to get some help because yeah. I think that maybe this is wishful thinking, but Daniil Gallinari came out and said, "Hey, I'll take like slightly less money because I'm at the point in my career where I want to win a ring." Maybe yeah. maybe he doesn't think the Portland Trailblazers are good enough for that. Hopefully he does. Um, so so hopefully he goes to the Blazers. I just I think that that would be such a fun pairing because they would act like they haven't had. A third best player like that um since, at, like, at, ever i was about to say since but like the, lamarcus the, the, the lamarcus lamarcus was the best player yeah yeah cj wasn't even there yeah, yeah they have so so then when say when they had lamarcus it would have been like cj was the third best yeah. player but cj was not a, was not in anybody then yes yeah, so they like, haven't had a third best player that, like that that's so sad yeah because they're like daniel he's good but he's not like he's not like a once in 10 years like third option you know yeah yeah um i also think i think the milwaukee bucks would be sick I think that yeah, if you have like for sure if you have a lineup where you run like Giannis at the five and you have Danilo at the oh my god that would be that'd, <laughs> that'd be so good. Um, if he really is willing to take less money, like there are infinite possibilities for yeah. for Danilo. But but it also depends on is he really willing to go like veterans minimum or is he, no, does no, no, that he, mean like no mid mid level exception is a thing that could be that yeah. could be seven million dollars. So, yeah, in, that's, that's the question. Because in like, the open market, he'd probably get like twenty. Yeah, I, I don't think twenty, but like probably fifteen at least. Yeah. Um. So the question is, does well, is he willing to take half that much? Is he willing to take like, yeah, know, I don't know. He's there, such he a. He could go pretty low. Is is my point? And like, so if, is he really willing to take like half a third as much money as he could be making to win a championship? If the answer is yes, that op- that really opens a lot of doors for him. It um, really opens a lot of doors for the team that signs him. Honestly, true. and and the same thing that we were saying with like Drew Holiday as like a third star kind of guy that could really make the difference between winning a championship and not i think that's true with danilo gallinari too i agree he's kind of the little extra push a team could need um to go the extra mile right like let's say the nuggets lose paul Millsap in free agency and they replace him with danilo gallinari that's a w yeah that's a win that's a complete win you lose something defensively but at the same time like your offense is even more lethal i would love him on the warriors too yeah, like that that shooting would be unreal because Daniel yeah. Gallinari is like 50, 40, 90 type of guy. I mean, you could really you could really name a million and one yeah. different teams. Like all thirty teams would love to have. Although, Gallinari. let me let me tell you what team he's not going to. He's not going to the Miami Heat because everyone thinks he's going to the Miami Heat. But the Heat, why why count him out? He, because everyone's like, oh yeah, like the Heat. If you if you add like a bunch of like fringe all stars to the Miami Heat who already have like quote unquote fringe all stars, even though Jimmy Jimmy and Bam aren't really fringe. Um, but everyone just thinks that the Heat are just going to, like, go back to the championship, which is not going to happen. Um, and they, they're like, okay, if we add a bunch of, like, fringe all-stars and, like, Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday, and, and Daniil Gallinari, we're like, they're all just going to go to the Heat, just like Jimmy Butler did. And I'm like, like that's... That's that's dumb. Like that that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean the Heat aren't gonna build a super team in the next like three months. I'm telling you right now, all, all those three guys I just mentioned and Chris Paul four. Those four guys I just mentioned are the biggest like names in like the trade market yeah. or the free agency market. The Heat aren't getting any of them. I'm I'm, I'm saying that right now, and okay. the and the Heat are 
said to be involved in all of them by just the popular fan rumors yeah yeah, yeah. so that that was my mini rant also if, if he signed with the lakers that would just be that'd be so deadly that'd be so perfect For sure that'd be For so sure. perfect um demar Derozan. i thought honestly his career was just kind of gonna gonna decline but he had a super good season this year he he had one of the most efficient mid-range seasons of all time shot like 60 percent what he does shot like 60 percent from mid-range it's ridiculous uh so he's a free agent i don't yeah. i don't know what he's gonna do I, I would say either he goes back to the spurs there was some talk with the nets but i, I honestly i don't think the Nets should do that I, I feel like i feel like i was seeing like maybe sign and trade things with him like i, I feel like i kept seeing him to the magic but it wasn't like he would just sign there it was like the spurs would get aaron gordon after like i, would, I don't know I, honestly i would like that for both sides yeah I, yeah i would like that for both sides a lot so, I mean, like, there are some interesting spots you could end up. It's it's a little bit tricky, though, because I think he's still going to want a decent amount of money. The best teams in the league don't really have the money to pay him. Like, would DeMar DeRozan on the Bucks be cool? Like, yeah, but it also, like, he can't shoot the three-pointer. Like, I, I don't know. I, there's a lot of... Yeah, I, I don't see him on... That was I don't see him, was, on, was I don't see him on a top-ten team, really. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, a little, it's a little interesting, like... Because I think it, I think to some extent you need Demar Derozan with the ball in his hands because as an off-ball scorer he's limited because he can't shoot the three. So could you have Demar Derozan come out and lead a second unit and just Ooh. like absolutely like go ham That's... for the mid range? Like that would be super interesting. But huh. at the same time, is he gonna want to do that one? And like, are you gonna will- are you gonna be willing to pay him that much to do it? Yeah, you're not paying a six man like twenty million dollars. Yeah, which is but, what he would get. But for the but for the Bucks, let's say like that could be kind of ideal for the playoffs, right? Like, okay, you really just need like a spark for a few minutes. You and basically in all the minutes that Giannis is off the court because Giannis only plays thirty some minutes per game. Um, you throw in Demar Rose, and all of a sudden that's really interesting. Um, even though he and Giannis probably wouldn't mesh that well together when they're on the court at the same time. I don't know. There's some really interesting stuff out there for Demar Rosen, but I kind of think like. Maybe none of it's gonna happen, and he'll and he'll just end up back in San Antonio. Um, but we'll see. Let's talk about Montrez Harrell because yeah. I I don't think he's gonna go back to the Clippers because mm. they kind of had slight bad blood at the end of the year. They don't really have the money to resign him because they're paying him like six million dollars, and now he's he's probably gonna get like eighteen on the open market. Because I feel like they'll probably have a bird rights on him or something now. Do they? I don't. I don't. I don't, know. They, I don't think they do. Honestly, I don't think they do. I they. Ha, I know they have. Like, I'm pretty sure they have the money to bring him back. But I don't. Yeah, but even if they do, they're probably gonna. They might look to trade him. Like, they might look to sign and trade him, because he was incredibly disappointing in the playoffs. To be honest. Yeah. Um, definitely. Like, I don't know. Like, you still want to get value from him. Like, he's still a very good player. Um. But he just didn't show up for them, at all. Yeah, and so I guess I guess part of it is like I I heard I I think some people sort of said it as a joke. Okay, he goes and he signs with the Charlotte Hornets, and it doesn't matter if he sucks in the playoffs because they won't make the playoffs. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's a it's a good joke, but like at the same time, it like kind of makes sense. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, right, and you just you get some you get some easy scoring, right? If you're Montrezl Harrell, you get your money. I could just, the team's still gonna suck, but like okay, I, it but works. I, I I could see him almost like Draymond Green that if you're on a bad team, his value goes completely down 
And so yeah. he's just kind of like a guy who can't really shoot and can't really dribble I don't, and who isn't tall and who's kind of just running around out there. I guess I, I guess just, he just even, becomes a body. I don't even see this like him on a, as the result of like him on a bad team. I think I see it as a result of like his minutes going up. Cause he, he, at the end of the day, is mostly just a hustle player. Like that's kind of how he gets, it's kind of how he makes his, makes his money is like just off the hustle plays. Um, he's not incredibly talented. It's just like he works hard. Um, and so if, and so if you, and so one thing that we've seen is like in higher minutes and, and the part of the reason the Clippers have kept him on the bench is that in big, like in a lot of minutes, if he's, if he's not any more fresh than the players that he's playing against, he's a lot less effective. Whereas when he's the first person off the bench for the Clippers and the whole starting lineup of the opposing team is dead tired, he can come in and he can just eat on them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's part of the reason we saw him struggle in the playoffs. Um, but we'll see. So Gordon Hayward has a player option yeah. worth like $27 million or something yeah. like that. And so there's been reports that he wants out of Boston, which I don't really see why he would want out of Boston. And there's, yeah. But on the other hand, are you going to want out of Boston to where you don't pick up that player option? Which That's is, what I was going to say. Is, which is probably double what you would get in the open exactly. market. Um, the answer is almost definitely no. So Gordon Hayward's going to sign this player option. So well, but that but that's why that's why it was a story that he wanted out of this out of Boston. Is he is he basically? I think he said like, there's a real chance they don't re-sign the player option. Because um, even though like like you said, he's gonna make a lot more money with, with this player option than he would in the open market. Maybe he doesn't want to be back. And if he really doesn't want to be back in Boston, he could let it go. Now, I don't really get that because he's not going to go somewhere besides Boston and have a bigger role or get yeah. more or like be in a more of a winning environment. Like, I, I feel like all, I feel like Boston was the perfect balance of like, Oh, they have a bunch of wings that do a lot yeah. and he's just one of them. And so he gets shot creation. But that's, that's the downside though, is that, is that he's sort of like, I don't know the, the like fourth best wing on the team, right? Like you're going to put Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown ahead of him, obviously. And maybe even put Marcus Smart ahead of him. Like, like he's, I don't know. Maybe wow. you call guard, maybe you call Marcus Smart a guard. But like, I don't know. Like he he's he's kind of turning into uh, a real like bench option, right? Because he keeps being injured, and the Celtics keep doing fine without him. Like, or he's not playing to, to the level that we expected him to when he it's signed this contract. It's the video games. When the Celtics are doing fine without him. It's the, it's the League of Legends. Um, the places that places that he would be traded to that I think would actually use him are the Phoenix Suns for all the reasons we talked about Chris Paul. And the Atlanta Hawks, because the Atlanta Hawks said they want to make Trey Young happy and make the playoffs and get like a good wing. And I feel like I feel like Gordon Hayward would be would be a good win now player. But I don't think Gordon Hayward would be, would be happier in those spots than he would be in in Boston. So Agreed. again, I just think it's kind of a circular thing that does that doesn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Andre Drummond is the other big name on this list. Yeah. I don't have any solutions. I think that the Cavaliers might just re-sign him to kind of feel good about themselves for trading him for nothing. But at the same time, they gave, yeah, they gave him they gave away absolutely zero for him. Yeah, uh, no, but I do think he will re-sign with the Cavs. I think it would be weird if if they just like let him walk after like a handful of games, basically. Yeah, like he really did not play for them for very long. Um, the other thing that crossed my mind is, could he sign with the Rockets? Like. If the, nah, if the if the right? if, if the Rockets go back to having a traditional center, well, they won't have the Rockets have no money. That's I don't think Drummond's getting anything, bro. No, like he, he would have to sign like a five million dollar contract or less to to go to the Rockets. They have no money. 
Do they um, have no money? Yeah, I, I, they have like, no money. I was I was expecting Drummond to get like a ten million dollar contract. The Rockets can't pay him that. Dang. I, but I I, like, like, I don't world. even I don't even think you're wrong. Like if because I think the, the, the Rockets sort of indicated that maybe they are looking to get a more real center um, than PJ Tucker. Um, and Andre Drummond would fit that. He provides a lot of rebounding defense, even though he's not a massive dude. Um, he doesn't fit their like three point shooting thing, but once again, like there aren't that many centers who are gonna who are gonna do that. Um, but yeah, I don't think the Rockets have the money to pull that off, unless they trade like PJ Tucker or, or sorry, yeah, like uh, Eric Gordon and like I don't know some other guys. Whoops, but I don't know. So I, I think that I think the most likely scenario is that Andre Drummond ends up back in Cleveland. Yeah, and so. With that, I think we're gonna conclude this. Actually, no. Let's talk one one more one more player, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. I think that Fred Van Vliet, the the Rocket or the Raptors rather, they don't really have the cap space to sort of just like re-sign him and then also bring back like Serge Ibaka and also bring back Marcus All and also um, they're gonna have to like pay pay some of their young guys soon. And so I, I don't see the Raptors bringing him back, which is a tragedy because they kind of helped him rise to, like, being good, essentially. Um, because, like, Fred Van Vliet, in, he was a G League player. In a lot of situations, in, in, like, a lot of worse, less organized situations, he would not become the player that he is because he, yeah. he's short He's short for for, for NBA player. Um, but he just worked on his skills. And so I think that it would be valuable to a team that just needs guard shot creation and can throw a boatload of cash that, that the Raptors can't match. I feel like you're describing the New York Knicks, and, okay, and, I, and I would take him if I... If I'm describing the New York Knicks, but I'm also describing the Orlando Magic. Okay. I feel, I feel like both teams okay. would actually do a good job. Um, the only other thing I'd say, though, is that I feel like the Raptors probably will match whatever another team throws at him, um, just because why not? Like, he's a really good player and it and fits well on their team um i, I don't they're gonna want to let him go yeah i don't but, know i mean I don't, it's know some, I don't know if they'll have the money they're, they're paying him like no they're paying him like like three million dollars right now yeah well if i think i think if they re-sign fred van vliet then it's like then you're gonna have to let marcus saul and Serge Ibaka walk maybe um but i think they are gonna prioritize fred van vliet yeah i agree uh, okay, so thank you for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope mm-hmm. you enjoyed. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe and leave a review. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it so you can see more future videos. And follow us on Instagram at Space Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you so much for watching. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you guys next time. Peace. Shout out to the dog Bradley Beal and the cat Lamella Ball. Shout out to Tom Heinsohn who died earlier this week. Rest in peace.